such a good song. It's good to see y'all this morning. A little more intimate setting this morning. With all the parents up on the hill, you know, uh, the, the young family's parents learning about how to raise those wonderfully angelic children of theirs. All the principles that work every time, you know. Uh, no. And our college students are away at a retreat, right? You know, and so we just kind of have a little smaller group this morning. I, I like that. It's all right. Um, the t- we are uh, we're in the middle of a series, actually towards the end, where we've been talking about, we've called it the foundations. Um, if you're visiting with us, just so you know, we've spent about six months, first six months of the year, on uh, the Sermon on the Mount. And uh, Jesus' kind of his, wow, amazing teachings. And we spent a lot of time. We just parked there. And we've been really deciding that this year we're trying to get back to some basics and just really talking about who we are as a church and what we believe in and, and, and just hit some foundational topics. And uh, we've talked about Jesus. Who is Jesus? We've talked about God seeking us, how we seek God. We've talked about the Bible and all these things. And today, I get the awesome, awesome privilege to talk about repentance. Amen? Are you excited about that? Yes. Uh, it reminds me of when I had to speak about divorce that time, right? It was just like, yeah. Everybody wants to hear a message about this today. Isn't it unfortunate that the word repent has been hijacked? It sincerely has been hijacked by the way, honestly, language kind of morphs and changes. Even words change their own meanings within within a language. The word repent has a bad, it, it needs a PR rep right now. It's not doing well. It really isn't, unfortunately. And so we have to kind of deal with the elephant in the room when it comes to what that word really means biblically. And once I think we can clear that out, I think the word can be restored to us the way it needs to be received. And that is an incredibly inspiring word. And when we get repentance, baptism, it's a lot more understand. It's easier to understand. And so we're going to talk about repentance and baptism today, really the concept of what, is, what does conversion mean in the Bible. We're going to talk about that this morning. So I'm going to say a word of prayer. We're going to dive right in. Please join me in prayer. Lord, we give ourselves to you in this moment. We uh, want to quiet our minds and not think about our to-do lists or what we're doing after church. Uh, Lord, I just, or or I really hope this message helps my friend or the person online that's watching, or I just pray that we can be in this moment, each each of us individually, but also collectively and realize that whenever your word is talked about, preached, whenever we read scripture, uh, Lord, you can work in our hearts, in our innermost places. You can affect change in individuals. You can change entire congregations. And, uh, and Father, I just pray for that humility, that, that humility that we can approach your word this morning. Uh, 
I pray that uh, those of us that are so familiar with these passages and so familiar with these concepts, I, I pray that we can always have that openness that, uh, that, Lord, you can spur us on to love and good deeds by teaching us the same concepts over and over. And uh, we're so grateful for the opportunity to, to, uh, to come to a moment like this every, every week, uh, just to see friends, to meet new people, to take the Lord's Supper together, to sing songs that reinforce the things that we believe in, and, uh, and just to really kind of reorient ourselves to the worldview that you want us to have. So help us even this morning as we talk about what repentance is, how relational it is, and how relational baptism is, and not get caught up in patterns and mechanics and really re- receive the beauty of how you receive us into your family. And we offer this prayer in the name of our Savior and our Lord Jesus. Amen. Amen. So repent. Oh, my goodness. If you pull out a, if you try to look that up in an English dictionary, you know what words you're going to get? To feel regret. It's, it's going to be in there. That's kind of the English definition, right? Uh, to, to, to be uh, remorseful over yourself or your action or a past sin or, or, or those types of things. And so when John the Baptist, who the Bible says is the greatest prophet, <laughs> and he is the one that's pre, a precursor to Jesus, when he gets out there and says, repent for the kingdom of heaven is near. And then Jesus follows up and says, repent for the kingdom of heaven is near. Do you sincerely think that they meant be regretful? The kingdom of heaven is here. Regret. Be remorseful. The kingdom is here. Wait a minute. We're missing something, you know. We're missing something. Uh, And many scholars have hit on this. I'm not the first. Um, Ed Anton wrote a great book about repentance. I mean, these concepts, you have to, we have to deal with the elephant in the room. That's not what biblical repentance is really, really all about. There's aspects of that in there. But that's not what it's all about. And the biblical word, the biblical word that is translated repent is metanoia. And that's a Greek word. And you go, Jeff, that's weird. We don't speak Greek. I know. But sometimes words make it through. Because if I said paranoia, do you know what that means? (laughs) Oh, right? Paranoia, you get that, right? And para, right, to the side. And that word, where we get the noia is really talking about the mind or the intellect, right? And so when you're, you're like a side-minded person, you're paranoid. <laughs> but, you, but that word made it through. It, it's, straight, it's straight Greek. I mean, it just made it through to English. We use it today. What about metamorphosis? That made it through. Wow, man, it made it through. Straight out of the Greek. Right? To change, to change form, right? To change form. Metamorphosis. We still say that word. And you, all of 89% of you are thinking about a caterpillar to a butterfly right now. <laughs> I know, I know. But, but that right there, is that inspiring or not? A caterpillar to a butterfly. Is that inspiring? That's closer to what repent means than remorse and regret. 
You see what I'm saying? When you're thinking of the caterpillar and the butterfly, you're going, man, look where it started, but man, where it ends up. Wow. That's amazing. It's forward thinking. It's the change after. It's the metamorphosis. And that's, how, that's what repent's supposed to mean. It's your mind after. It's, what, it's, it's forward thinking. Man, you can, you can repent. You can change and move forward. There's a new life for you, a new way to view the world. You can change behaviors, patterns, rhythms. Everything can be different and be like a caterpillar to the butterfly, metamor- metanoia. But metanoia didn't make it. Amen for pet- paranoia and amen for metamorphosis. So maybe we just need to start a campaign and bring metanoia, you know, into the English language. Because it's a lot more inspiring than repent in our day and age. And so, if you maybe grew up in a faith tradition that talked about, you know, do penance and all. Because again, penance is, a, is a, where we get the repent from. Penance, not inspiring. You know where we get another word that's linked to penance? Pain, not very inspiring. Another word, penitentiary. Do you get what I'm saying? (laughs) These are not uplifting and inspiring concepts, but they're tied to that word repent. And so a lot of people, maybe some in this room, have a mistaken understanding of what it means. So repentance is powerful. It's, It's a plan to change our whole mindset and worldview. Last week, I thought Jordan did a great job talking about sin. Didn't he? Straightforward, right? And just helpful, but grace, truth. We, we got to deal with sin, you know? He talked about how sin grows and it can bring death, but it hates the light, those types of things, right? And I thought, what would be a good bridge passage to look at as we talk about repentance, you know, and baptism, these types of things? And I thought, what a great passage to go to where repentance is woefully absent, Let's open up our Bibles. I don't have any slides today. Hopefully that's okay. Just going straight old school Bible. Old school. Amen. I did this for like 20 years. I was feeling like weird because I never used slides and then all these young guys. I said, you know what? I'm just going to use a Bible today. We're going to go back to a story where repentance, metanoia, is woefully lacking. And, uh, and as we have been doing... In our series, we've heard from different members of the church, kind of sharing thematically whatever the sermon is, just kind of sharing their own lives, right? And we're going to do that again today. Uh, but, but first, I want to read in Genesis 4, this passage that is, whew, it's good stuff. Genesis 4. It says now, verse uh, 2b, now Abel kept flocks, Cain worked the soil, in the course of time, Cain brought some of the fruits of the soil as an offering to the Lord. But Abel brought fat portions from some of the firstborn of his flock. The Lord looked with favor on Abel and his offering, but on Cain and his offering, he did not look with favor. So Cain was very angry, and his face was downcast. So then the Lord said to Cain, why are you angry? Why is your face downcast? If you do what is right, will you not be accepted? But if you do not do what's right, sin is 
crouching at your door. It desires to have you. But you must master it. Now Cain said to his brother Abel, let's go out to the field. And while they were in the field, Cain attacked his brother Abel and killed him. Then the Lord said to Cain, where's your brother Abel? I don't know. Am I my brother's keeper? The Lord said, what have you done? Listen, your brother's blood cries out to me from the ground. Now you're under a curse and driven from the ground, which opened its mouth to receive your brother's blood from your hand. When you work the ground, it will no longer yield its crops for you. You'll be a restless wanderer on the earth. Cain said to the Lord, Man, my punishment is, is more than I can bear. I mean, today you're driving me from the land. I will be hidden from your presence. I will be a restless wanderer on earth. And whoever finds me will kill me. We'll stop there. Woo, it's a lot going on. I don't have time to go into all the nuances, although I would love to. But I think one of the main things you see is the change of mind, the change of your whole worldview is available to Cain. God offers it up. And what is God really offering? And I want you to understand that this is consistent from Old Testament to New. He's offering relationship. He seeks Cain out. Cain, how, what's going on? He, he doesn't berate him for being angry. Sometimes we think God, we, we have a bad moment, and we just think God ready to blast us. God doesn't blast Cain. He said, okay, you have anger. Let's just deal with it. Let's, let's, what's up? I want, I want relationship. You know, and here's the, here's the deal, Cain. You can choose to turn, turn from that anger, turn towards me. Cain, turn towards me. Your face is downcast. Not just your physical face, all of you. Your inner orientation is down. It's angry. Turn to me. And, I'll ex and you know what? You'll find acceptance, even though you're angry. That's okay. I can deal with that. Just, just turn to me. Do the right thing. Because here's the deal. I cannot force you to do this, Cain. I will never coerce or force anybody to follow me. So it's, it's got to be your call, but I'm giving you the way. Just turn towards me, everything, your face, your inner disposition, your outer, everything. Turn towards me. You still have acceptance, even with the anger. I got this. We can do this. Because if you don't, let, Cain, let me explain something to you. If you don't, there is something that's very real that will take you out, and it is waiting for you. Just like I came to find you right now to have this conversation, Cain, there's something waiting at your door with another conversation for you. Turn towards me. Don't go, don't go out that door unprepared with the heart that you got, the anger that you got, that you're not dealing with. I'm here to deal with it. If you don't deal with it with me, if you don't do what's right and deal with the acceptance I'm even willing to offer you, and you walk out that door, it, there's something called sin that will make you miss the mark of everything I want for your life. And it's, it's kind of predatory. Let me give you a word picture. Crouching at your door. This is serious. I can't force you to do it, but man, please turn to me. And it's almost when you read this, it's almost literally like 
And those parents up there probably experienced this a few times. You teach your kids something, they go, uh-huh, and then they walk right out and do the opposite, right? It's almost like it just flows. Like God's trying to reach Cain. Cain goes, hey, bro, hey, let's go out to the field. It's almost like, wow, did anything get through? Wow. And sure enough, the undealt with anger turns into that death because sin grows like we learned last week. Sin brings death and hates the light, all that we learned last week. I think this is, this is what, what can happen to each one of us. But God is calling us to relationship. And Cain turned around. And here's the deal. Cain gave, you know what Cain does in this passage? He does the English 2023 version of repent. He's remorseful in a way. He's looking back at his past and going, oh man, he's upset, but he's more about him. Now I'm jacked up. I'm going to be a wanderer. This punishment you put on me is too much. That's a form of remorse or regret. You know, it's the worldly sorrow that 2 Corinthians talks about. It's not the godly sorrow. This is that self-pity. So, so if you, but that's the problem with the word repent. Many people think this is repentance because he feels, he feels bad. No, 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 no. This is not repentance. And we're going to look at what repentance looks like in the New Testament, but it's also cool to look at repentance in a real life, you know, example. And uh, Debbie's going to come up and share about her life, you know, coming to, coming to faith, you know, and after she shares, then uh, kind of conclude the sermon and we'll take the Lord's Supper. But I wanted Debbie to come up and just share like her life story, her conversion, so to speak, because I believe that this is what, this is more what repentance <laughs> looks like. Amen. So Hi, there everyone. you go. So I am Debbie McIntosh. And yes, none of my family is here. They're all up there, but that's okay. Um, so how many of you saw the uh, Jesus Revolution film? Anybody? Go see it. So that was my life, from drugs to Jesus, okay? So uh, this was in the 70s, the early 70s. Uh, I had graduated from college. I was teaching school in Panama City, Florida, and I was partying hard every weekend. Um, I think that we can all look back at our lives and see ways that God was trying to nudge us or trying to get us to go in a certain direction. Well, something really big, it may not seem big to you, but it felt really big to me happened in my life. Uh, I was with a friend. We were driving down to Miami in her car. I was driving 90 miles an hour down the Florida Turnpike. Yes, I'm still alive. Uh, and sure enough, a highway patrolman pulled us over, gave me a ticket. And uh, I was had to, to appear in court, actually at the courthouse before a judge. Now, because I was teaching uh, in Panama City, and this was the spring, they let me go back, finish teaching, but I had a court date in the summer, early part of the summer. So I went down there, and my sweet mother and grandmother went with me, and we went to uh, the courthouse in Orlando. And uh, they were out in the lobby praying for me, and I had to go in and appear before the judge. There was a judge, there were two lawyers, and it was me, and I was scared to death. And the judge said, well, the highway patrolman that gave you a ticket is caught up in Disney World traffic. Thank you, Disney World. So he cannot be here, so I'm going to have to throw this out. But you know what you did, and don't do it again. 
So I go out to the lobby shaking, and I'm like, oh, my goodness, your prayers really worked. And that was, and that may seem really silly, but that was a very, that was a real turning point in my life because it made me feel like God was really listening, that he saw me. And uh, he extended amazing mercy, and I did not deserve it. And I also want to encourage you mothers and grandmothers. Uh, uh, Paul encourages uh, Timothy to remember the faith of his mother and grandmother, that our prayers are powerful. And I really believe that my mom and grandmother's prayers were very powerful. So then face, fast forward to the summer of 73. Um, let me see where I am. My best friend, Jean Samino, and John is sitting right here on the front row. Uh, we had been best friends since high school. And uh, I, had, uh, I was in Panama City, but I came down to Gainesville, Florida for the summer. And she was working at a bank with Jerry Lang, who was Sam Lang's wife. And he was the campus minister at the Crossroads Church of Christ. So um, one weekend, uh, Jerry invited Jean to come to church. I said, well, can I come too? So we went, and I'll never forget that Sunday morning. It literally changed my life. Uh, so we went on Sunday morning and Sunday night, and uh, when I walked in there, it was just incredible. There were a 1,000 people all singing in parts, no choir, all a cappella. And that may not mean very much to some of you, but I was a music major, so I was, like, completely blown away. And the sermon was incredibly practical. Uh, I'd been used to going to churches on and off all my life, and they would use one scripture and make a political or social issue about it, but not really teach the Bible. This was very, very different. And then when church was over, nobody left. I'm like, where's everybody going? They're not going anywhere. Everybody was staying around and fellowshipping, and it was just an amazing, amazing experience. And I think the one thing that impressed me the most was that, and I remember this is the 70s, and this was a very diverse congregation. And that really, really impacted me in a great way. Because in the 70s, probably Sunday morning is the most segregated time in churches. And it wasn't like that at all. And I thought, wow, if there was ever a church like the one in the Bible, it would have had to be like this. And I didn't know much about the Bible. But I, I just, it really, really hit me and really impacted me in a very deep way. So then uh, the following Tuesday, Jean and I are having lunch. And she says, well, I have an appointment with Sam Lang. And I said, well, can I come? So I went. <laughs> and Sam met with, each, with, with us individually, and uh, we looked at Scripture. We looked at repentance. We looked at, how to, how you, we looked at Acts 2, basically, Acts 2, 36 through 42, where it says that the people were cut to the heart, and they said to Peter and the others, what shall we do? And they said, repent. And be baptized in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. And you will receive the forgiveness of your sins and the gift of the Holy Spirit. And this promise is for you and your children and for all who are far off. I was like, what? How come I've never seen this before? It was amazing to think that I could really change my life, that I could really stop being the way that I was and be a completely different person. So right then I said, okay, so can I get baptized right now? So on 6.30 p.m., July 24th, 1973, Jean and I were both baptized. Um, yeah, you can. <laughs> um, 
And obviously, my life has never been the same. I remember that morning, I used to smoke a pack of cigarettes a day for years. I threw the pack of cigarettes in the garbage, and I never picked up another one. And that, to me, was the power of God. I remember walking into 7-Elevens, I don't know if you guys remember those, and seeing all the cigarettes back there and going, ah, I got to get out of here and I would just run. Uh, so the power was so real in my life. And I, I couldn't believe that I could really be a brand new person. Second Corinthians talks about the old has gone, the new has come, and all this is from God. And in Psalms, it says that as far as the east is from the west, that's how far God removes our transgressions from us. I couldn't believe it that I could really be a brand new person. It was unbelievable. And my life from that point has never been the same. I was supposed to go back to uh, Panama City to teach school, but I knew that if I was really going to grow spiritually and stay strong, I needed to stay with a, a congregation that was full of very devoted disciples. So I decided to quit my job in Panama City. I moved to Gainesville, got a job there so that I could stay there with the church. And that was... Um, Dear, I have a picture. Okay, um, in a, we, there was a Crossroads reunion. There you go. In 2019, and this is Jean and I. That's the baptistry that we were baptized in. Now there's no water in there now. We, we're not walking on water, but I think they drained. <laughs> I think they drained it so people could get their pictures taken in there. So this was like 46 years ago, and now this past July we celebrated 50 years of being disciples. And Jean is still my very best friend. Love you guys. Wow is right. And I think that's why we want to tell these stories, you know, is, uh, you know, Debbie had an opportunity. She had an opportunity to, to leave the courtroom and to go, yeah, I got off. And she had a choice. Just keep living the way you were living. Drive the way you were driving. Right? I mean, no punishment. Got off. And that was a choice. Uh, there's a choice to listen to the passages. And then there's a decision that you have to make. God's not going to force you, but you have to make that decision. And uh, she referenced the passage that obviously we, we, we look at deeply because we really believe that in Acts chapter 2, that was a pivotal, powerful moment. We celebrate it every year at Pentecost. That was a, a, the, a, the moment when God's Spirit came in a powerful way. And it was also the opportunity for us to understand, well, what, what is God doing? How is the kingdom in breaking? What is going on? And as we read in Acts chapter 2, the message was Jesus. Repentance doesn't mean anything without Jesus. You got to turn to Jesus. You're, you're leaving your life and you're making a decision to change your mind about who Jesus is and what role he needs to have and who's running your life. You got to make that change because Jesus ain't going to walk up to you and go, I'm going to force you to do it. That's, not how it. that's not how it works. So without Jesus, well, there is no repentance. You just have a choice. Either I'm going to let Jesus dictate how I'm going to live my life, how I'm going to interact with people, how I'm going to deal with my money, how I'm going to drive on the freeway. Seriously, how are you going to live your real lived experience? Who is going to dictate that? You have a choice to turn towards Jesus. Without Jesus, there is no repentance. And the same token with baptism. You know, what is baptism? It's an immersion in water. That's just like the technical term. But what is going on here? This is God's plan to free us from the, the, the sin that's crouching at our door. 
It's his plan to free us that we can die to ourselves and come up with newness of life. Amen? And in Acts chapter 2, as, as we mentioned, I'm going to read it, even though Debbie quoted it. I'm going to read it. Because it is important, especially for those of you that perhaps had a, an experience when you were younger or these types of things. I did. I'm just going to be, be open with you. I, got, I had an experience in a church when I was like a middle schooler, you know, and I, I, I got baptized. You know, I got immersed in water. Now, for me, I did not know what in the world I was doing. I was not turning from nothing to nothing. I was just... <laughs> If anything, I was tired of my, my grandmother looking at me, you know, when the preacher would say, put the hand up and all come, you know, and, uh, I, you know, I, I think I just like, you know what, I'm just going to go ahead and make this thing happen. <laughs> you know, and then whatever, a few months later, they have the baptism service and you go and you do it. But that's my story. I'm not down, I'm not down on anybody. I'm just telling you my story. A middle school kid, just uh, baptism, okay, I'll just get baptized. You know, some people in this room, maybe you have it. Some of you online, maybe it's a similar experience to you. What is the North River Church all about? Here's what we're all about. We actually believe that the metanoia is, is God's gift to us to, to turn to him and find that acceptance. And the baptism, it, it's something that it, when you have a changed mind, you're willing to do whatever God wants you to do. And he gives you newness of life. He lets you go down in that water. And come up with, a, with newness of life that you couldn't do on your own. So at North River, at this particular congregation, we actually, we don't necessarily baptize infants. That's not what we do. But we don't demean places that do that. We just don't believe that's the way it works. But we're not going to sit up here and badmouth other churches that perhaps do that. No more than we appreciate them badmouthing us, right? We just have different takes on the scriptures. But we're trying to be forthright with what we do believe foundationally at this church. We actually want people to have the, the ability to understand and ascertain where they are in their life, deal with their sin, and respond to Jesus. And we actually don't believe that, you know, young, 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 young people can really make that decision, right? They're not old enough yet. So that's why we don't do it here. As I say again, we don't demean anyone else that does it. But that's not what we believe. That's not our conviction. All right, so we're trying to give you our foundational teachings as straight up as we can. Amen? Amen. And so one of our kind of passages, as, as Debbie talked about, is like kind of, the, kind of the first Christian sermon, so to speak. And when Peter is trying to explain what God has been doing, and he gives an understanding of who Jesus is in Acts chapter 2. Verse 36, let all Israel be assured of this. God has made this Jesus whom you crucified, both Lord and Christ. Jesus is the anointed one. Jesus is the one who was foretold about. Jesus was the one that the prophets were, were, were referring to. Jesus is the culmination of really all of what Scripture is really is all about in him, in his person, right, is Jesus. His life is unique. He wasn't just a teacher. He wasn't just a regular person. He had a unique existence. He was Lord and Christ and is Lord and Christ. In verse 37, as Debbie reminded us, when the people heard this, they were cut to the heart. Now, that means they could feel bad, remorse, regret. Wow, 
We're responsible for that. We blew it. Our one job was to find the Messiah when he came. He came and we killed him. Gee, what are we doing? Bad. Felt bad. But then they have a choice. They can just feel bad and be upset. But they said, what shall we do? Peter replied, repent and be baptized. Every one of you. Repent and be baptized. Every one of you. That seems pretty clear. Every one of them. In the name of Jesus Christ. Without, without Jesus, it's just water. I mean, just, it's just some water. So it's, it's got to be Jesus. If there's no Jesus, there is no baptism. In the name of Jesus, for the forgiveness of your sin, which is crouching at your door, it desires to have you. It takes people out. It has since the first pages of the Bible. All of us have sinned. We all, every single one of us, we need that forgiveness. God is the only one that can grant us this type of forgiveness. It comes from him. He's calling the shots. Well, Jim, I don't understand. Why why would he choose baptism? I don't know. I'm sure Jesus is like, hey, God, why you choose the cross, bro? I mean, like, why I got to die on the cross? I mean, why why does God do what he does? I don't have all the answers to that. But I can tell you what, if if God says do it, every one of you, I hope I'm in that line doing it. I'm not trying to keep it out. A lot of churches, honestly, they just don't believe baptism is important or they, they, you know, save it for another time. But why the urgency in the scriptures? You know, you do your own study. When people people come to an an acknowledgement of who they are, man, there's urgency to get baptized. Like Debbie, Debbie said, I want, I get it. I see who I am. I want it now. Bam. I mean, how long was it? few conversations? I don't know. It was one conversation? It was a 45-minute conversation. 50 years ago. And you still faithful. Uh, okay, that's all I need to know. You know what I'm saying? Like, it, it, we don't need to make it more complicated. And she's talking about smoking a pack of cigarettes a day. And then choosing to walk with Jesus and ain't, and ain't smoked since? Okay, all right, no. So at this church, we're going to teach repentance and baptism. And you might say, well, you know, I don't know. Uh, What about a prayer? What about a prayer? Okay. Amen. Prayer is really good. I want to pray. I think we should pray. I think we should pray for our salvation. I do. We should pray for other people's salvation. I do. My only challenge is, why are we replacing repentance and baptism with the sinner's prayer? Like, why, why, why do we need to do that? So, no, we're not doing that at this church either. So we're not, when, you're, when you come to understand who you are, you've sinned, you've, you, you've blown it, you need God's, God, you understand what Jesus has done for you, and you want to repent, you want to get back, or, or you want to repent, you want to get right with God, what we're not going to do is say, okay, just pray this prayer. You know? Okay, so we're not going to do that here, because we don't see that in here. Because when, when somebody's kind of life is on the line, There's never an apostle or anybody that says, oh, you're ready? Okay, cool. Let's pray. Okay, that's not in here. Now, but here's the deal. Why am I going to demean a church that does do it that way? I'm not going to sit up here and do that. I'm just just telling you at North River, we're not doing that. Okay? And so if you you can come to church and and be a friend here, and we love you, and we're going to hug you and make you uncomfortable when we hug you, maybe. I don't know. And want you to keep coming back. But at some point, if you say, hey, what does it take to be a member? Hey, we just want you to acknowledge who you are before God. 
make a change, give you, take that invitation from God, have that mind change, that metanoia, and, 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 and receive that beautiful gift of baptism. And get, the, get your sins forgiven and get the gift of the Holy Spirit. That's how we roll here. That's what we're going to do. We're still going to teach it. Hopefully we don't overemphasize one thing or another. Hopefully we don't, we don't make people jump through 900 hoops just to make prove to us that they're good enough to be. Hopefully we don't go there. This is an instructive story. I like a lot of that. 50 years later, she's still here. And Peter says, you know, when you get baptized, you get the gift of the Holy Spirit. And that will be the topic for next week. The role of the Holy Spirit in our lives. Mmm. So you have to come back next week to hear that one. <laughs> I'm going to go ahead and pray for our Lord's Supper. I want to encourage you to read Acts chapter 22. I think it's a great passage talking about Paul's conversion, <laughs> where he had a metanoia, <laughs> and he actually had a baptism too. I encourage you to read Matthew chapter 28, especially for those of you who are new to the Bible. Uh, it's, it's the very end of Matthew. And Jesus actually gives a teaching to his disciples on what they should do or how to live their lives and what the process is. And it, and it actually includes baptism in there. So if you're new to the Bible, I really want you to seek those passages out. And I hope that you can find at this place a place where even if you're angry, even if you're in lustful, struggling with whatever, that you can still find a, a, a people willing to sit with you and love you yeah. and open up Scripture and not just blast you from junk. But hopefully you one day can see how powerful it is to have that mind shift, that revolution of your orientation to walk with Jesus and to give him your life. But let's pray. Father, thank you for just the gift of your word, the gift of who Jesus really is, the truth of who he is. I so would rather be around a, a table with uh, a smaller amount of people with food and, and talking about Jesus. That would be great. Take the bread and the wine in that context. But here we are, hundreds of people. We're doing the best we can in this context as we try to remember Jesus and we take this bread that we believe does represent his body. The body that we are baptized into, according to 1 Corinthians 12. That body that was broken for us and hung on that cross. And we drink this juice that represents the blood that he shed. And we remember that. <clears throat> and we remember that you raised him from the dead, Father. And that he lives a newness of life as well. And he lives at your right hand. And he's coming back to straighten all this madness out. And I pray that we will be forthright with people, <clears throat> non-apologetic, and call people to repent. And prayerfully, the joy of baptizing them. So grateful for even baptism, Lord, just how it's so relational. How we can't baptize ourselves. It takes another brother or sister to bring us out of that water into the family. Such a beautiful, beautiful thing. We remember that Jesus inspired us, those of us who have been baptized. We remember, I hope we can all remember those special moments that drew us to Jesus. And as we take this bread and juice, 
that those moments are meaningful to us. We pray in his name. Amen.